Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. And you know what? Have you ever asked yourself these questions like, who am I or why am I here? Or, gosh, what am, what am I truly capable of? But then what do you do with those questions? You're not alone. Most of us ask those kind of questions of ourselves all the time. But then what kind of action do we take? What kind of bold move do you bust? Or do you just sit around waiting for the universe to deliver everything to you? I think it all really depends on how badly you truly want to answer those questions. And a lot of people are driven by their goals. Those goals that, you know, say, okay, I'm going to get here. I'm going to do this. This is going to make this stuff happen. And you know what? Today's guest, he is the epitome of setting goals. He's been on national TV. He came out on one of MTV's shows. He's also written books about hitting your goals, making them happen, and stepping into your truth. And I thought, what? better way to really talk about living your life uncloseted than to bring into focus why goals are such a bold move strategy for being who you are and what you want to be in the planet. And this young guy is also one of my WDSer friends. I know many of you heard me talk about people from World Domination Summit, and we're both going to be there this summer. And I thought, you know what, let's get some goals on before we head up to Portland. He's actually a Portland person himself, so I guess I'll head up to Portland. But um, I just want to welcome to the show the author of The Ultimate Guide to Success, How to Achieve Your Goals in 10 Steps or Less, Mr. Dan McDaniel. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thank you so much. That was a fabulous introduction. I know. I worked <laughs> I worked hours and hours and hours. Actually, I just I pulled it together about five minutes ago. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I know, just pulled beautiful. it together. So, uh, so hey, man. WDSers in the house. How exciting. This is awesome, man. I love it when I get to talk to one of my WDS family members. So I'm glad to have you here, buddy. So um, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. So you had an interesting journey. Um uh-huh. Walked away from some stuff, came out on national TV, mm-hmm. have met some pretty big name people, which I'm not going to let that bag, cat out of the bag yet. But <laughs> it seems that you seriously are one of those people that eats your own dog food. But I'm sure you didn't always eat your own dog food to like get to this place where you realize that goals and getting them done, it's just a way of really living your life and, and living with passion. But there's always a backstory. I feel like there's always a backstory to people who finally figure some of these things out. So, um, I don't know. Tell us, man, how did you get to this space where you just go like goals were really what make your life rock? Gosh, that's, that's a really good question. Uh, I think it was in high school. Uh, you know, I just turned 25. So just a few years ago, uh, I was in an organization called Future Business Leaders of America, mm-hmm. and their whole their whole philosophy was setting goals and around service and education and making progress. So I learned there mm-hmm. that you have to set a goal and you know be perseverant to achieve it in order to actually get somewhere. So I'd say that was the foundation for me. 
And then along the way, I kind of lost my way. I, as a result of being in that organization, I ended up earning over $100,000 in scholarships and grants to go to college. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then I ended up walking away from that. <laughs> After one year, okay. Any of you who are listening to this, we won't throw darts at him right now. There's there's a reason that he walked away from all this. Okay, just trust. The, we have to trust the process. Sometimes, you know, some of us are like, I didn't. I didn't really cringe at that because I already knew the backstory. But I'm like, oh, I'm sure some listeners are going, "Girl, why did you do that? That was a hundred thousand dollars you could have gone to college on." So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, you know, I'm just going to work hard. I'm just going to put all this effort into this thing and then just leave it. How about that? There you go. Uh, but, no, but, so. but before we jump off of that, and I'm not, I'm not going to give you shit about this because I think it's so important because uh-huh. I have a call. I have, well, I have an older daughter who just graduated from college. I have a younger daughter who's currently mm-hmm. in college and kind of struggling. And then just lo mm-hmm. and behold, this last week on TV, there was a news story about maybe college isn't really the right thing for some kids given the cost of college and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it's a bold move. I think it's a really bold move when somebody says, you know, this really isn't for me. Because then mm-hmm. you step into your power. So as you made that decision to, like, walk away from that, was it something that you felt really powerful about? Or were you, like, scared like scared shitless and going, what am I doing? Well, I have to tell you, dropping out of college was the easiest decision I've ever made. Wow. Yeah, the easiest. The hard part was telling everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I was I was this achiever. I was known as Dan the Man. You know, right, I was right. a rock star. <laughs> right. So, so it's like, well, what do you mean you're just going to leave? You've worked for all this stuff, and you you grew up in poverty, and now you have a way out. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So it was telling everyone else, telling my parents, telling my friends who were still in college. That was the difficult part. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, uh, just following my intuition, I knew that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's interesting, yeah. Dan, because as you were saying that, you know, and you know, I've already alluded to it that you came out on national TV, but uh-huh. that decision to not go to college is kind of similar to the decision to come out. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we know we're gay, but the hardest part is telling mm-hmm. other people. And you knew mm-hmm. you weren't mm-hmm. going to go to college, but the hardest part was what everybody else was going to think. That's, mm-hmm. that's where the parallels of this beautiful story and part of the reason I wanted you on was to help share how similar these journeys become when we put Mm -hmm. our life in different perspectives. You know, it's like, okay, well, here's the perspective Mm -hmm. of not going to college. Here's the perspective of coming out. But what Mm -hmm. was that draw for you of, you know, of really truly knowing, okay, college is just, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. What was it that Mm -hmm. made you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Just so we're clear, I did go for one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that first semester, I just felt it. I was like, you know, this is this is not where I belong. It wasn't about the college itself. It was about college in general. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was dying inside, you know? I, I thought I was, I felt like I was there to do something, and I felt like they just kept restricting me and clipping off my wings and telling me to go study calculus or learn all the stuff I've already forgotten in high school. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just doing all that stuff over again, and I just felt... I felt this heaviness, this burden of suffering <laughs> mm-hmm. every day just being in class. I loved being in the campus and being social and meeting people and expanding my mind, but actually being in the classes and that whole structure felt very restrictive, mm-hmm. and it just was not the right place for me. Yeah, so it was just a heavy burden that I felt, and I knew after I actually got there that that wasn't where I belonged. And I, I'm amazed just because I was 
once many, 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 many years ago, that age too, that you were mm-hmm. so cognizant of this. Because mm-hmm. it actually, as you were just talking, it kind of took me back to when I was in college. I went to private church college. And um, mm-hmm. my parents insisted I go to a private church college. And then finally, by the second year, I'm like, wait, this ain't working. <laughs> this is not working. Yeah. I'm paying all this money. Yeah. And mom and dad were doing the best they could. But it was going to be me who ended up with all the debt at the end of the thing, you know. And I wasn't really mm-hmm. engaged in the college I was at. I was like, ah, you know, okay, yeah, this is our faith and everything. But I'm just not here. And I, I mm-hmm. find it so admirable that you felt this, you know, and you mm-hmm. were willing to put everything on the line, so to speak, and say, no, this mm-hmm. is not where I'm at. I think too many times in this day and age, even as I watch my own child, and I've, I've had numerous conversations with her over the last, you know, year of her first year in college, saying, you know, if this doesn't feel right, then we need to, we need to know. And if it's not, mm-hmm. then let's find something else, you know. Yeah, yeah. So what did that do for you as you finally came to that space and you said I'm quote unquote freeing myself from this burden what did that enable you to do mm-hmm. next you know it's funny because I felt like toward the end of it I felt like the only reason I went to college mm-hmm. was so that I could come out mm-hmm. <laughs> because once I got there I was out of the small town where I was from I was in a bigger city in Baton Rouge Louisiana and there were people, there were gay people all around me, and there were organizations, and I could befriend people and talk about what I was feeling. So after maybe three months being in college, I actually came out and I did the show on MTV. Right. And mm-hmm. as you did that show, did you know that that was going to be what was going to happen? Was that you were going to come out? Was that kind of the premise, or was it like, hey, I'm going to just be on the show and we kind of just live life and see what happens and unfolds? Yeah, the premise of the show was coming out. What happened was I read in a newspaper about a different show MTV was doing, but I wasn't really interested in that show. So I looked on their website, and I found this other show that they were doing. So I reached out to the producer. Uh, Two days later, they emailed me. They called me. Then a week after the phone call, they were in Baton Rouge filming. Wow. (laughs) They flew from New York, Baton Rouge. Yes, yes, yes. And we started the production process and uh, they filmed, you know, day to day activities and me coming out to friends there. And then we went back home to uh, small town Louisiana and we filmed there. Mm -hmm. So I I knew going in exactly what was going to happen. That's awesome. And I know you've probably been asked a hundred different times all the ins and outs of that. But Mm -hmm. I'm more curious now that you look at where you are. What's mm-hmm. something that you know because of that experience has truly stuck with you in the life you now live? What has truly stuck with me from it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. See, this is when Rick asks the big questions and the guest gets really quiet because they're like, damn, that man, that man's asking some tough <laughs> questions here. <laughs> I haven't really thought about that. I think, hmm. I think what it taught me was that once you, okay, I think what it taught me was when you accept yourself, Mm -hmm. everyone else in the world has to accept you. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I think you said earlier, I think you alluded to the point that maybe, you know, telling other people is the hard thing. But I think for me, just telling myself coming in, as they called it, Mm -hmm. was the hardest thing to do, really. Uh, cause I, before I filmed the show, 
before I did the, um, gosh, what's it called? Before you, you do the, you film the thing, then you send it in. Before I did the mm. casting tape for yeah. the show, yeah. I realized I had never even said the words, I'm gay. Wow. <laughs> okay, so I, I said with the casting tape, I, I did it for like three hours, going mm. back and forth, talking to myself like, I, I can't, I've never said this before. How do I do this? What am I saying? Mm. Uh, so it took me three hours to finally say, I'm gay. Then the second time I said it, I was on television. Uh, so coming in was the hard thing for me. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I came out, it was a lot easier because I had already accepted myself and everyone else had no choice but to accept it. And if they didn't, they, they could ignore it or whatever. But, you know, once I accepted myself, it was much easier for everyone else mm -hmm. to accept me. You yeah. just brought up something that's so important in this journey of coming out, regardless of what the coming out journey is. Um, because... This personal acceptance, I call it going mm -hmm. from being permission phobic to permission granted. Mm -hmm. You're afraid mm -hmm. to give yourself permission to be who you are, but the moment you grant yourself the permission, I'm not saying it's going to be easier to tell everybody else, but there is a power. There is a fire within that starts to go, okay, I can be this, you know, mm -hmm. and I've seen it happen with entrepreneurs. I've seen it happen mm -hmm. with a couple of clients who... Beautifully, I was coaching a couple, a husband and a wife, and I remember the wife knew the husband was coming out. She would already knew he mm -hmm. was gay, and they were on this journey. Mm -hmm. And I remember her specifically accepting the fact that I'm going to be a divorced woman, and I'm mm -hmm. going to accept that. I'm giving myself to accept yep. that that's what I'm going to be. And that was a big yep. pivotal moment in their relationship. Because even though mm -hmm. she knew it, intuitive, you know, even though she logically knew it, because he'd already told her, you know, this is what was going down, she had to come mm -hmm. to that place of accepting permission of this is who I'm going to be so that she could start the healing process and the moving forward process. And I mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. as you went through that, I could hear just as you were sharing the story and, you know, when I kind of gave you that big question, it is probably the biggest, biggest, biggest piece of stepping into your own truth and your own power is saying, this is who I am, regardless of whatever that yeah. this is who I am is. Yeah, absolutely. So as you started to do that and the show started to unfold, you also have this whole background of being Mr. Achiever and, you know, going for things yeah. and everything else. Yeah. So how did this whole goal setting and getting things done, how did those two suddenly, I know they probably always were holding hands, but something that seems to have ignited and you just were like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm doing the show and now I'm going to start writing books. What was mm -hmm. the fire within that really started to erupt? I think it was just being in a supportive environment. Uh, you know, where I'm from, people didn't really talk about feelings or dreams or, you know, really anything other than just go to college and get out of this place, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I felt like just being around a solid group of people, different types of people uh, from all different types of backgrounds was really the thing that opened my mind and said, oh, there's these other possibilities. I don't just have to do this thing, but this other thing that I feel deeply within myself is possible. Yeah, because now uh, people are telling me it is, and I see other people doing amazing things. And so I think the environment was really the key factor for me. 
it's amazing how when okay so here's here's little known truth little known truths that Dan doesn't know about Rick that I don't know that most of my audience even knows about Rick mm-hmm. that I'm going to share so that Dan knows that Rick really does get in more than he thinks so mm-hmm. I went to high school in Arkansas so um, mm-hmm. so I kind of get that whole mentality of wait this is what you go do and I'm not saying just because it's Arkansas okay I don't want that to come off wrong I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to bash Arkansas yeah, yeah. But there is a there is a southern quote unquote southern sensibility, so to speak. That here's what you do: you do this, you mm-hmm. do this, you do this, you do this. Okay, because this is what we do. And I wasn't mm-hmm. a true southerner because I was a you know West Coast transplant to the South. But mm-hmm. as you go through that experience, these are things you're supposed to do. And mm-hmm. then suddenly you get out in the quote unquote big world. You know, so as soon as I left the church college and went to Oklahoma State, it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. wait, there's this whole other world here that I have options. I don't just have this curriculum I could follow. I could actually go this route or I could go this route or I could go this route. Mm -hmm. And I think what you so beautifully demonstrate in your journey is, wow, as soon as I open the door on this closet, then, oh, I can open the door on this closet and on this one and on this Mm -hmm. one. And then things suddenly Mm -hmm. begin to move forward for you. So how soon mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. the show did you begin to really dive into, hey, this writer thing is really where I want to be? Or was that all part of the show as well, that you were already discovering this uh, writing that, ability? Yeah, that was not a part of the show. Um, <laughs> it's funny because growing up, I was always told I was a good writer. I remember thinking back to even in the, the fourth grade uh, one of my teachers read an essay of mine aloud in the class, and she didn't read anybody else's essay, but she read mine aloud, and she was so proud, and she went around the whole school telling all the teachers, like, read this essay, read this essay. I wish I had the essay so I could see if it was really that good. Uh, but uh, I just remember from a very young age, people, the teachers praising me for my writing skills. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that was something that I could actually do. You know, I didn't grow up wanting to be a writer. I didn't know that was something people would did as a career path, you know? Like, I knew people wrote stuff, but I didn't know writers could actually make a living, and I didn't know that was a real profession. Yeah. (laughs) It just didn't click in my mind. Do you even even remember at all what the essay was about? I don't know. I was in the fourth grade, and then it kept happening. So it was like every major milestone. So it would be like elementary school it happened, Mm -hmm. then uh, middle school it happened, then high school it happened. So it happened once at every different grade level, and I remember each time. uh, But I don't remember that very first one. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, but that just... Yeah, yeah. You know, I had a a very similar experience, and it's really vivid now, but... um, Mm-hmm. I'm not like a great artist, but I dabble. And when I mm-hmm. do dabble, there are always something gets created that people are kind of like, wow, you did that? And I'm like, yeah. And mm-hmm. finally somebody said, so you must have been doing this since you were really young. And I said, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was always creative. But I said, I don't really remember the very first thing. I remember when a teacher yeah. telling me, oh, that was really good. And then one day I find I had just create, got up. I have this like... <laughs> Not so much anymore, but I, I used to have this like Sunday morning thing, my own version of going to church, um, where I'd get up and I'd do something creative. You know, my husband would be sound mm-hmm. asleep, and you know, one weekend I tore a fireplace apart and said, "No, this is the way it's going to look <laughs> when we cover it with stone. We're going to mm-hmm. now it's going to look like this." And then one day mm-hmm. I painted a painting, and mm-hmm. somebody said, "Wow, that's really great! I can't believe you painted that." And that was the person who asked me, "When did this start?" So. 
Mm-hmm. That night, I'd already been in into my own spiritual path and doing meditation and everything. So as I meditated that evening and went got ready for bed, I said, show me what was my really first inspiration. That was my question. Mm-hmm. Show me the first inspiration. Mm-hmm. The next morning, I woke up with this very vivid picture that I remember now of me sitting. I went to call, um, elementary school in Colorado for a few years in a farm community, one-room schoolhouse, and I remember our teacher sending us outside to draw something. And I sat by the creek, and I drew the creek and this tree and, like, this ladybug on a leaf. I remember it so vividly, but I hadn't remembered it until I said, show me. Show me what it was that was, like, my first really, really, truly creative, you know, spark, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so now, every time I get ready to be creative, that kind of image, you know, shows up for me. And uh, it's been really interesting. So as you started to dabble into writing, man, what led you to mm-hmm. this whole kind of success goals and and doing some business writing and everything? What was the driver there? Because something was definitely mm-hmm. of interest to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so in college, I, the first week in college, I attended a retreat called Leadership Immersion. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they asked was, you know, if, if money weren't an object, what would you do? If you had all the time, money, the resources in the world, what would you do? And so I, I the answer was, oh, I would be a writer. That was easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after discovering college wasn't for me, I went back to that and realized, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. So I started working on my first book, and uh, it was not it was not a seamless process. Right? <laughs> they never are. They never are. No. Uh, yeah, I went from being, you know, Dan McDaniel, the achiever, to Dan McDaniel, uh, I don't have a place to stay because now I'm writing these books and I have a job, but the job's not paying me enough. So I went from, like, getting paid $100,000 to go to college to living in my car for a year trying to be a writer. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote, I actually published my first book from my car at age 20 <laughs> wow. and then I was like okay so how do I get out of this car so that's when the whole success principles came out that's when I started studying success and how do you set goals and how do you do this and that so that's when the ultimate got to success was starting to form after that experience so you just the 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 driver the achiever the that yeah. never really died. That's what I'm hearing. That, that no, and it, stuff so is it always felt, in there. Yeah, I felt like my so I felt like my identity as an achiever had died because you know clearly I wasn't achieving. I was, right, but it right. didn't look like it. Right. You know what I mean? It was it was taking on a different form, mm-hmm. but I felt like my identity was completely shattered. And mm-hmm. for a while, I was like, "Who am I? Why am I here? What is this about?" I know I'm doing the right thing, but why is this so hard? It shouldn't be this hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just kept at it, even though I wanted to give up so many times. Um, yeah, so finally I just got a better job while I kept getting better writing gigs, and I finally became a ghostwriter. I read this article once, and I got a mentor. His name was Daniel DiPiazza from a website called Rich 20-something, and he wrote this web- he wrote this post about uh, how you could, uh, make money online doing freelancing. I didn't know what freelancing was. I didn't know that was a thing. Right. So I started writing stuff online 
so the first thing I wrote was a donation letter for like ten dollars. <laughs> okay, like this one page letter for a client, and I said, "Oh, someone's willing to actually pay me for something." Wow. Then it uh, it progressed to an editing job for like a hundred bucks, and then I did a resume for two hundred bucks, and then I got a ghostwriting deal to write somebody else's book for seven hundred bucks, and then it just kept going, kept getting bigger and bigger. Uh, so finally, the writing was starting to work, and I started to work on the ultimate got to success. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, with each project, uh, things kept building and building. And after a few years, I finally got to move to Portland uh, in my dream apartment, <laughs> downtown Portland. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have really made it!" Yeah. So from 2013 to 2016, there was a massive transformation from "Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. This is my first book, and it's being published in my car." to, oh my gosh, I'm really living the life of my dreams right now in this amazing place. That's amazing. But besides the books and everything else, there was like a physical transformation, your own physical transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So you lost quite a bit of weight, too. Yeah, so that was actually in high school, actually. That was during the whole um, president of the organization thing. So that's when the personal growth really started for me Mm -hmm. in high school. So uh, from 2009 to 2011, about two years, I lost 90 pounds. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, watched <laughs> the. I was watching an episode of the Oprah Show, mm-hmm. and her trainer was on, and she was talking about you know all these people going all these fad diets, and that's not how you do it. You really have to change your lifestyle. Right. So I said, Oh, okay, I get it. It's it's about a lifestyle. So I started slowly changing the way I ate and the way I thought, and that really was the impetus for the transformation mm. just knowing that it was a long-term thing and not a short-term thing you know wow. so yeah. the inevitable question that i have which i know you've been asked numerous times so how did you meet miss o that's a journey yes. in and of itself. Miss o. <laughs> okay so <laughs> uh all right so this was 2014 randomly i was watching an episode of tmz mm-hmm just the weirdest, most strange thing. Uh, they come up, They it's a very satirical show about, you know, celebrities and stuff. And they said, oh, Oprah's going on tour like Beyonce. So <laughs> I go, I get a ticket, I get a VIP ticket mm-hmm. to go meet Oprah. And I met her in October 2014 in Houston, Texas. Uh, she was doing a speaking tour. Mm-hmm. So I got a VIP ticket and we nice. got to go... That's, yeah, yeah. So I got to go backstage with her, meet her. We had brownies. They were amazing. Mm, <laughs> I got cool. I got a nice hug, a nice picture. Uh, it was about, I'd say, maybe two dozen of us who had VIP tickets. Mm-hmm. But the other hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people were just, you know, regular attendees. Yeah, I so that was the Oprah weekend, right? That was the Oprah weekend. Yeah, yeah. It was the Life You On Oprah tour, yep. Did you go? I went to the one, I was nice. the one in San Jose. Yes, I was. So um, Nice. Was that the first one or the last one? I think that was the very last one, actually. So, yeah. Okay. okay. It was an yeah, amazing yeah. experience. Yeah. I didn't have a VIP ticket yeah. because I was like, yeah. you know what? I don't want to spend the money and I just, I want to have yeah. the experience. And then it was just, it was cool. I met um, Ilana Van Zandt. That was cool. I met Gail. Yes. Out, so that was cool. You right? met her? Yeah, yeah. So, and I just kind of ran into both of them young. accidentally. So, um it was nice. just kind of like okay, cool. Um, I'm a huge Oprah fan, so you know I'm you know I'm, yeah. I'm really jealous of you. So I'm gonna have to hate on you <laughs> for a little bit, but it, it's okay. We're, we're sisters in sexuality, so I can't hate on you too yep. much. But um, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, <laughs> one of the things this show is really, truly all about is bold moves. And mm-hmm. I think goals are part of it. I mean, no, I don't even think. Mm-hmm. Goals are part of making your bold move because a bold move mm-hmm. is a goal. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. there's a goal. What I've found to be helpful, and I'm curious, you know, from, you know, you and working with goals and everything, what I've found to be helpful is to be very clear on why, and I'm going to put it in my terminology and then I'll have you do it in your terminology, but mm-hmm. I always ask a client, why is that bold move truly important to you? And what is it you mm-hmm. want to experience when you have done that? What is it you want to feel? Mm-hmm. And that to mm-hmm. me is how we start to clarify why somebody's going to do something. I can say I want mm-hmm. to lose 90 pounds or I can say I want to grow hair back on my bald head. But if I don't know why I want to do that and what mm-hmm. I want to experience once it's done, I don't find myself being very vested in it. So does mm-hmm. that, give us some advice in that arena for you. I mean, how do you get to your self-motivated for goals? What are some of the recommendations you have put out in your book? A couple of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I define success as living life in alignment with your values. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's about just knowing who you are and what you really want to do, what matters to you, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that really matters to me is freedom. So a lot of my goals are about freedom. How can I feel more free? How can I feel more powerful? How can I feel more in control of my life? So for me, with the weight loss, it was, this is about freedom. How can I be more free in this physical plane? Yep, how yep. can I, yeah, how can I write a book that makes, that creates freedom in my life? Time freedom, uh, you know, financial freedom in a sense. How can I create these things? How can I set up my life so that freedom is at the forefront? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say identify your top three values yep. and then build your life around those values mm-hmm. based on, yeah, based on that. So I know listeners who listen to this show all the time hear me. Mm-hmm. I get I get on my soapbox about values all the time because actually that's the very mm-hmm. first exercise, um, Dan, that I actually have my clients do. They as nice. soon as they sign up, as soon as they pay, the, well, as soon as they pay the money, <laughs> then they get the link <laughs> to schedule. But as soon as they do uh-huh. that, they get a couple of things, and the first things is a values exercise, and it's a whole list of values, nice. and it says what uh-huh. which of these values are important to you. And then the second column is, based on that value, how much in action are you in that value? So you scale it from 1 to 10. If you say, you know, integrity is a 10, but you're only in action out of 5, you know, Coach Rick here mm-hmm. is going, okay, we have a problem. You know, we, we need to fix mm-hmm. something here. But it's a mm-hmm. beautiful thing because it becomes the basis of pretty much all the work I do. Because I will jump back. Mm-hmm. You know, last night I was coaching a client, a couple actually, and um, it's really about him being able to feel adventuresome and spontaneous and feel free because he's coming he's come out of the closet to her they Mm -hmm. are trying to figure out how they can make this work and stay together because they really love each other and even in Mm -hmm. the conversation last night i brought up the values i said so for you to feel adventuresome and free and spontaneous you know and it, it just came up that's just part of the conversation, but these values mm-hmm, are so mm-hmm. important. And as you said, freedom, yeah. you know, you and I have mm-hmm. that one in common. I wouldn't be doing the work mm-hmm. I do. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I wouldn't have the kind of work I do to support myself if it didn't give me freedom. I need to have freedom. Mm-hmm. Variety is another mm-hmm. one for me. Variety is a huge value for me. I can't 
I can't just do podcast. Well, actually, I probably could just do podcast all day. I really enjoy doing that, but it has to be with different mm-hmm. people. It has to be on different topics, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought that value piece into play because I do believe it's mm-hmm. so important. So very, very important. Mm-hmm. So, so as we wrap this up, man, and I know 30 minutes flies by pretty quickly here, but um, as we wrap up, what is something you'd love to leave the listeners with around goals and, and being true to yourself that um, might just help somebody? Because a lot of our listeners are, you know, some of them are coming out of the closet. Others are sitting mm-hmm. there in that cubicle of hell going, I wish I wasn't mm-hmm. here. Others are like in crappy relationships or maybe they are struggling. Like, I really want to shed the weight. Um, so if you mm-hmm. could just kind of leave a tidbit of advice around goals or, or whatever comes to mind, man, what would be the thing you'd love to leave the listeners with? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I would say that if you do the hard things, your life will be easier. But if you do the easy things, your life will be harder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you do the hard thing, if you do the hard thing of coming out or of taking that step, it's going to make things a lot easier for you in the long term. But if you keep putting it off, if you keep suppressing those desires, if you keep suppressing yourself and hiding, your life is going to be really, really hard. It's going to be really difficult. So if you just do the hard thing now, you're going to reap the rewards in the future. But if you keep doing the easy thing, if you keep hiding, if you keep playing around, if you keep playing small, your life is going to be really difficult. And I know that's not what you want. And how old are you again? 25? I'm 25, yes. Girl, you got some wisdom in you, let me tell you. <laughs> that last Thank statement is like just like, okay, mm-hmm, Ms. Oprah is being channeled <laughs> right now. But um, no, I love that because it's something that I... I have to practice with myself all the time. It's like, okay, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, get this done because then mm-hmm. it's out of the way. Then you get to go yes. do the stuff you really want to do. And it yeah, is the yeah. most difficult thing I think we as humans have to navigate is the tough stuff. Yes, it can be tough, but the minute, the minute it's done, then it's easy. It's gone. It's past. Yep. It's over. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. And um, I love that. That was such a powerful way to kind of bring this thing full circle and to, um, I don't know, as you were talking through that, I just, I went back to the WDS you know, pillars of community service mm-hmm. and adventure. And, um, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of, you know, when you do the tough stuff of showing up and going, okay, how can I serve and mm-hmm. how can I be someone in the community that, you know, it's not just about me, it's about others. And when you push yourself mm-hmm. to go on the adventure of life rather than fear the adventures of what life can bring, life does become so much easier. And, um, mm-hmm. God, I'm so glad we got to have this conversation, man. I'm so happy. So am I. And just thrilled. Yeah. And I can't wait to... Dan and I have never met. We've crossed paths through, you know, the lovely world of Facebook. But um, I can't wait to see you this <laughs> summer, man, in, in, in Portland and, and just, like, hang and um, have a chat. So um, thanks again so much for Yeah, I'd love to meet up. Yeah. And um, all of Dan's books will be on the show page check him out if you have some questions about setting goals the best place you can find dan is at dan mcdaniel.net not dot com dot net mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. that link will mm-hmm. be on the page as well and i'm pretty dang sure he could help you set and meet some goals if you just trust him to do it because you can tell he's 
Well, he's pretty damn driven, and um, he's done a pretty good <laughs> job of creating his freedom and guiding his own path. So, again, brother, thank you so much for being here. I totally appreciate you, and am really thrilled to be sharing you with my audience. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone. Go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.